Good day, everyone. Uh, this uh, share is sponsored by uh, Martin and Shirley March, Leilu uh, Nishmas, Martin's mother, Naomi, Bas Avraham Dov. It should be Leilu Nishmasa and Eschus for the entire March family. We're uh, the seventh Mishnah in the fourth barrack. Rabbi Tzodok Omer. Rabbi Tzodok is a uh, enigmatic uh, person. We don't know much about him, except the Talmud tells us that uh, he fasted for 40 years over the impending destruction of the temple and that we find when Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was granted three wishes from the general Vespasian, the Roman general. So one of the wishes that he asked for was that medical attention should be given to Rabbi Tzodok because of his emaciated condition, shrunken stomach, because he had not eaten normally for such a long period of time as a sign of penance that perhaps the temple would be spared. Anyway, Rabbi Tzodok says here, firstly, which is a very difficult statement for us to understand. What does he mean here? literally means don't separate yourself from the community. So uh, how do we understand that? What if the community is uh, a community of evil people? Stone. The Rambam says explicitly that if a person is finds oneself in a community that is completely evil, that there are no observant Jews left there, and that the rules and laws and the societal norms of that community are all completely opposite to Torah values, then the Rambam says one should go out in the desert alone and pitch one's tent and live alone rather than stay in a community of Rishoyim of people who are evil. So Al-Tifro Sibur must have exceptions. What kind of Tzibur is he talking about? He cannot be talking about every Tzibur because there are, unfortunately, in the world, 
and even in the Jewish world, a tzibur that one should not be part of, that one should separate oneself from. And we have here in Pirkei Ovos the famous statement, Altizchaber la Rasha. Don't join with the Rishoyim. And this has remained a uh, debatable uh, topic in Jewish life over the past, uh, certainly, two centuries. And uh, certainly since uh, the rise of uh, Zionism and the creation of the State of Israel. So, for instance, a general Jewish community that includes and even is headed by Jews who are not at all observant, and in effect, their view of the world is anti-Torah. 19th century Germany when the communities almost in mass were governed by reform and by German reform. And then there were communities in the United States. Uh, it was always a question uh, whether the Orthodox should be part of the general Jewish federations in cities because of the fact that the federations also were run by the reform. The federations uh, encouraged Chilul Shabbat. Can you join a JCC that's open on Shabbos? Let alone a JCC that a large percentage of its members are not even Jewish. And that young uh, Jewish boys and girls go to that JCC and uh, they meet people who are not Jewish and all sorts of things happen. So what does he mean, famous in Germany, uh, the uh, opinion of Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch that he created Austrit, that the Orthodox stepped out of the general community. They made their own community because the general community was run by the reform. Another great Rav, Rabbi Nelson Bomberger, he stayed with the community. And he said he would have more influence from the inside. This has been an issue for centuries and has never been decided. Is it better to be in the government or without the government? For a long period of time, for instance, uh, the Haredi community uh, did not belong to any government. 
And if they took a position, they wouldn't say that they were the minister. They were vice minister, assistant, but never the minister. Because they don't want to be part of a community that basically desecrates the Sabbath and does not honor Jewish tradition in so many ways. Is it better to be in or out? In America, Rabbi Soloveitchik had said, uh, I remember in my time, that on general Jewish issues, then we can join with them against anti-Semitism. Then he said in support of the state of Israel. But on uh, specific religious issues, never. But that's hard to draw where that line exists. You know, there's a famous... uh, Anecdote told about Rabbi Salanter that when he married his wife, they had an agreement that on all heavenly matters he would decide, and on all earthly matters she would decide. But then he said they spent the rest of their life arguing over what was a heavenly matter and what was a earthly matter. And so here also, we never really made it clear what's the general matter and what's the specific matter. There was a whole controversy in the 1950s in America about the Synagogue Council of America. Should the Orthodox organizations continue to belong? There were a group of Rashi Yeshiva that insisted that they should not belong any longer. So when we talk about Altifosh Minatzibur, it's a very nebulous topic. Again, it's hard to define. If the Tzibur is domed, then how can you say Altifosh Minatzibur? So there are any, many Meforshim that say that we're talking about a Tzibur that is basically Jewish, observant. But there are personal or political animosities that make me want to not be part of it. In other words, the Tzibur is not composed of Rishoyim, but I don't like the guys that are running it. And therefore, uh, that is the tzibur that he's talking about. Just because you may not approve of everything doesn't mean that you have the right to dissent, to leave the tzibur, to break it up. This was famous uh, throughout Jewish life regarding synagogues. Break away minyonim. You have no right to leave the shul just because you don't like it. You have no right to go out and make a new one. 
but we see as a matter of practice throughout the Jewish world that this occurs almost on a daily basis. Some say that Rabbi Tzodik is talking about his particular time. His time was when the Churban bias was approaching, the destruction of the Second Temple. So then there were different groups of the Jewish people. So there were the Prushim, who were the uh, scholars, the Torah party, let us say. And there were the Tzdokim, who were the reformers of their time. But there also were the Kanoim, the Zealots, who wanted to fight Rome, and they were observant. And you also had the Birionim. The Birionim was like the Jewish mafia, but they were observant. Like the Italian mafia was always part of the church. And uh, because of that, when he said he meant don't break it up like that. Because eventually they had a civil war and that civil war is what brought about the destruction of the temple. The civil war was between the Birionim and the Kanoim and the Prushim and the Zdokim. So he's warning against that. That's Altifro Shminat Sibur. But it's uncertain what he means. And it's uncertain how it plays itself out. So uh, we are always uh, pursuing unity. You always hear that word bandied about, especially in our country, which is not really built upon unity. When many people, when they say unity, really mean conformity. We should all be united the way I am the way I see things. But that's not the unity that the Torah is talking about. The unity is a unity in spirit and in observance, in worldview, but not necessarily at all in personalities, in organizations. In fact, the rabbi said just the opposite. Ki not sofrim tarbe chokma. The competition between institutions and between people that increases wisdom, spreads Torah. So therefore, when we speak of unity, we have to be careful what we mean. Because again, many times unity is really conformity. 
and conformity stifles Chochmah. It uh, brings down the level of achievement and of Torah. Therefore, uh, this uh, phrase, this motto that Rabbi Tzodek said, Al-Tifush is used by all sides to justify their own ideas. But as I said, it is hard to get a definition that one can really feel comfortable with because we're trying to define who is the Tzibur. Is the Tzibur in Eretz Yisrael B'nai Barak? Or is it uh, Kibbutz Diganya? Who's the Tzibur here? Last night, uh, when I couldn't get uh, to uh, the shul for slichas, we had slichas this morning as well, but I couldn't get there because of the demonstration. Everything was closed. There are hundreds of people walking by me on the street, carrying signs, banners. I was told that they were most of them were bussed in from Tel Aviv. which is legitimate. I have no objection to that. But is that the seaboard that I want to belong to? Do they represent me? I didn't really feel so. So what is my seaboard? Well, except for Beit Knesset Anasi, there is no perfect seaboard in Eretzitzah. And therefore, uh, in a sense, we have to follow the advice of Rabbi Tzadok, Altifro Shminat Tzibur. Not to stay away from the Tzibur, certainly from the religious observant Tzibur, even if it has flaws, as every Tzibur will have. But we should try and avoid splitting it and chopping it up into little pieces because then it loses all influence. And instead of being positive, turns into a negative thing. And then he says, Valtas And don't be like an attorney that represents a client. The job of an attorney is to defend the interests of his client, right or wrong. The attorney may know that his client is wrong, that the cause that he is defending is not really the right one. But under civil law, under secular law, both here in Israel and in the Western world generally, the attorney can take the case and argue it. I mean, there are famous defense attorneys who know their client is the murderer. 
but their skill in presenting the case and in refuting evidence is of such a nature that their client will walk. It's a moral question. Is that correct? And because of that, therefore, uh, the Jewish Bezdin originally was constituted without attorneys, just the parties presenting the case and the judges deciding on their own. But uh, that has gone by the wayside. So we have professional toanim who in, in essence are the attorneys for each side. Some of them are very vicious. I've seen it. They are, uh, their reputation is built upon the fact that they're bulldogs and that they can defend the wrong cause very ably. So one should be wary, Rabbi Tzadik says. One has to retain moral perspective. I uh, knew a member of my family. He was married. Uh, he was uh, married to a cousin of mine. Really, a, a pious, holy Jew. And he was an attorney. And I know of instances where people came to him and they presented their case, their cause. And after listening to them, he said, I cannot accept your case because you are wrong. There are not many people like that. But the truth of the matter is that we should not benefit when we are wrong. That's a hard pill to swallow. You know, a famous, uh, wonderful person who is one of the leading criminal defense attorneys in the United States. A very fine Jew. And his firm defended certain famous celebrity on a murder charge. And uh, the jury decided that the man was not guilty. Whether or not he was or not, there's no way to know. The jury decided he was not guilty. And since he was a very wealthy man, enormously wealthy man, so he said to the attorney, I want to give uh, a million dollars to any charity that you uh, wish to nominate. 
and the attorney nominated a certain yeshiva that certainly could have used it. But the Rosh Yeshiva refused to accept it. Now, those are tests. Those are challenges. How do we deal with that? Rabbi Breuer used to say that uh, it's much harder to find kosher money than kosher meat. In his uh, Germanic way, he said, glat kosher, glat yosher. I think that there's a lot of that in Rabbi Tzodok, what he's saying here. And then he says, don't make the Torah, don't exploit the Torah for your own honor or position or benefit. It's also a very, very touchy area. So we originally, when the Jewish people were whole yet, so uh, we had the principle, Mahu bechinom, mafato bechinom. Kaviyochel Rabboni Shalom taught Torah to Moshe free, no tuition. So you too, Moshe, you should teach it free. And Moshe did. Moshe never took a salary from the Jewish people. And that was the tradition of Talmidei Chachomim till about the 14th century. Is that if you were the Talmud Chacham, you were the Rosh Yeshiva, you were the Rabbi, the Rav, somehow you made a living, but not from the community. Now to help you, the community offered many times that you could go into a business and they would make sure that there was no competition. So Rabbeinu Tom, for instance, uh, the leading Tosafist uh, was a diamond merchant. So there were no other ones in the Jewish world that competed with him. But he made his living from diamonds. Rashi was a vintner. The Rambam was supported by his brother David, who was a famous and wealthy businessman, and when tragically he was lost at sea, so then the Rambam began to practice medicine. He supported himself from being a doctor. Everyone had some sort of parnosa. They didn't have a public salary. It was not till the 14th century, we find it first in Bohemia and in Austria, and then later throughout the Ashkenazic world, that rabbis began to draw a salary from the community, which like all things in life has a positive and a negative aspect to it. Amongst the Svardim till our day, 
the Chacham didn't draw a salary from the community. He was uh, many of the great Tamiri Chachamim were uh, outstanding businessmen. Rav Nisim, that was the chief rabbi, the Svartic, uh the Rishon Lezion here in the early 1970s, uh, was a great real estate uh, developer in Baghdad. And other Rabbanim. When it became institutionalized, though, and especially here in Israel, where uh, the salaries are paid by the government. So then, uh, to a certain extent, the independence of the uh, rabbinate has been severely compromised. Throughout the Western world, the rabbinate is paid by the synagogue, by the uh, community, because the community expects that the rabbi will give them 24-7. They don't want that he should do other things. In Eastern Europe, for instance, the rabbi was given the monopoly on selling candles in the town or on selling salt. And that was his monopoly and that was his salary. My father-in-law told me that when he became the Rovin Vashki, they gave him three goats that they milked every day, they sold the milk, they made cheese, they made butter. That was the salary. That's how you made it. Now, do we want to go back? You know, I mean, if the shul gave me goats, I don't know what I would do with it. But do we want to go back to that? I don't think so. But on the other hand, that did give my father-in-law a certain independence that getting a check every month doesn't give you. So uh, that's what Rabbi Tzodik says, don't, uh, don't exploit the Torah. Kardum lach it's not something that you can dig with. It's not a Torah LaRosha, it's not the, the big hat. It's not that everyone should stand up for you. The greatest of scholars, the greatest of pious Jews were the most humble of people who sat in the back row and didn't make waves. One of the the great uh, personages of Jerusalem passed away a few weeks ago, Rabbi Zalman Nechemia Goldberg, Zechad Tzadik Levrocha. An enormous Talmud Chochem. Rav Shlomo's son-in-law. Who taught Torah to anybody. They say that once uh, an Egged bus driver said to him, maybe you'll come and talk to us. We have a 15-minute break in the Tachna Merkazit. Come and give us a 15-minute cheer. And he went and he taught 15 minutes to the Eged Bug Drivers. 
wherever he asked him to teach Torah, he came to teach Torah. He was the most modest and humble of all people. He didn't know what honor meant. There are people that are driven by it. So Salanter pointed out that uh, there are three stages in life that the Yitzhahara works on us. When we're young, it's physical. When we're middle-aged, it's financial. But at the end, it's honor. Yes, I didn't get the right Aliyah. I mean, how many times have I seen that in my career? How could it be that they they ignored me? They didn't honor me. It takes a tremendous struggle not to give in to that. And especially when a person is a Torah scholar who is certainly entitled to the honor not because of him, but because of the Torah that he possesses or teaches. I have been at uh, many an occasion where uh, people insisted that they should be the first one to speak. It's always all right with me. Because I never know what I'm going to say till I get up there. So it gives me another few minutes. But if you feel that you have to speak first, then you got a problem. That's an autoral he's got, and an autoralis Gadelbob Rabbi Tzodik says is no good. And it's in the Torah doesn't remain with that family. And eventually the person loses everything without realizing it, without realizing what one has sacrificed on the altar of the exploitation of Torah. So these are all difficult subjects that Rabbi Tzodik was speaking to us about. They're all real. They all need definition. It's not simple to come to any conclusion here, but these are points that we should always consider. Should not defend wrong causes that we know are wrong. We should not exploit the Torah. We should not break up communities. We should be careful. And that's in essence what he is saying. I think it's a vitally important message now before the Yom in the Royim, because we have to come before the heavenly judge, so to speak, with clean hands. 
and clean hands means that we have not damaged the community, that we're not part of an evil community, that we do not defend wrong causes, that we know to be wrong, that we do not exploit the Torah for our own personal benefit. If we have those qualities, then undoubtedly heaven will look at us differently. And I want to wish you all a good year. This uh, Thursday uh, and the Chumish uh, year, I'm going to speak about the Kriya Torah and Haftorahs for Rosh Hashanah. So that's uh, Thursday at the 5 p.m. Israel slot. Again, thank you for listening. Stay well and a good year. Cold tooth.